Thank you, Tafazwa, very much uh, for everybody leading. This has been great. Um, thank you for sharing with us. They're going to come up one more time at the end. Um, but hello, everybody, once again. Good morning. Welcome. If I missed you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at DCC. And uh, right now, we are in a series called Being Rich. And today, we're going to continue that conversation. And one of the things we're doing in this series is we're thinking about commitments that we make to God. And we are um, working this month as a church family to make commitments to give, to serve, and to love. And so that's why we have this card in your programs today on your seats here. Um, we're, we're learning to live life like this. We're in this city and in our lives, wherever you may live, we're learning to give, to serve, and to love. And so we're making commitments to give to God. And then we're, we set a goal to raise $10,000 this month for New City Kids. And so that's our goal. And so it's really fun to have them with us. And so when I was planning this series out, Tafaz was like, can we come? And I was like, yes, <laughs> that would be amazing. And so um, that's part of our goal. We're learning to give to God, and we're learning to give to others. God has called us to love him and to love others. But you're also making a financial goal for yourself, and then we're learning to serve. Serve one hour or one time this month. This week, we have a great opportunity. Uh, Thursday, we're serving at the Sharing Place Food Pantry. We do that once every month. And then you can sign up to serve on Teams. Uh, we are served today by those who are serving us, and then we're learning to love. Love your neighbor. Do something thoughtful for someone in my city. And we're going to register these commitments this week, and next Sunday is our Celebration Sunday. We're going to celebrate achieving some of these goals that we've set. We're going to celebrate how we have served and really celebrate what God has been doing uh, through you this year and in us in this city. And so we're in this series called Being Rich. And we're learning what it really means to be rich. We're learning how we be rich in what matters the most, in what matters the most. And who doesn't love getting gifts, right? So we just, um, we just came out of Halloween season. And if you're a parent um, or a kid or, I don't know, a big kid at heart, uh, you know, Halloween, we love Halloween. Or I don't know how many parents, parents love Halloween sometimes, but anyway, um, but what's, I, Halloween is so amazing for kids, especially when you're a younger kid, because it's like, hey, we're setting aside a day where the entire neighborhood just pours out candy on you nonstop. Like every single stoop that you walk by, every building and business, they want to give things to you. And, like, and as a kid, you're like, this is amazing. And so we went out with our kids this year, and it's just so much fun. And I actually love Halloween in Jersey City because it, it feels like a big party. And everybody's out, and, and, and the neighborhoods are crammed, and all that kind of stuff's happening, and it's just really fun. And I remember my kids walked up to one building, and a classmate uh, was handing out candy right there. And she sees Luke, and he, she's in his class, and, and she just starts... Uh, just pouring out candy, like, into his video, like, yeah, she's, she's hooking him up. But he was already hooked up from the rest of the neighborhood. So we have so much candy in our house right now. But I remember this, too. It was really impactful for me as a kid. Uh, I remember across the street from where we lived, a bunch of college guys moved in, which is interesting whenever that happens in any neighborhood. But anyway, um, they were so pumped to do Halloween for the first time. And so they had all this candy, but they didn't know that in our neighborhood, like a lot of kids had grown up at that point and there wasn't a ton around. And so like hardly anybody came by. So me and my sister, we went across the street and 
And we went to their place, and they had this giant thing, and they just poured it into our bag. Like, it was so much candy, and it was so impactful for me. I remember that moment. Like, it was a very big moment in my life. I was like, this is incredible. This is everything I've always wanted, and it's great. So we love, we love getting gifts. Like, I, I think that's why it's so impactful. It's like everybody wants to give me exactly what I want, which is just lots of candy. And parents... Whether they recognize it or not, love having candy in their house. And, and our kids are really little. It's like, who's going to eat all this candy? Well, it was us. And now I've instituted the daddy tax, um, which is I get whatever I want. That's the tax. And it freaks them out whenever I announce it, but they know it's okay because they have a lot. So anyway, we're learning the joy of what it means to give from our lives. In 1 Timothy, a key verse for us, 1 Timothy 6 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It says, Command them to do good, to be rich. Well, like, Scripture says to be rich? Yeah. Well, the sentence isn't over. To be rich in what? Command them to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. He says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that, here's why, that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. Being rich has nothing to do with how much money you have, whether you're poor or whether you're materially rich. God doesn't look at that, and what matters most has nothing to do with that. It's about what's really life. And so living life this way allows us to take hold of that. And so in this series, we've been learning that, that being rich has nothing to do with the amount of money. And when we can really understand that, if that takes a root deep in your heart, it changes how you live, how you view one another. We begin to see people as God sees us because he sees our hearts. But when we talk about finances, we talk about money, like we tend to tense up, right? Well, why is that? Well, we've learned in this series that, that money is tied to our hearts. That's what Jesus came and showed us. And scripture is really all along. God's been helping us to see and understand that. And so we follow what we spend our money on. We follow the lead on that. And so really talking about money is talking about who you are. Many times you're talking about your identity, what you love the most, and so it hits us deeply. That's why we tense up and kind of push back. And we're also learning that when it comes to God, surprise, he doesn't need your money. I mean, if God exists, if he's there, he's real, he made this world, like he knows where all the minerals are. He's been sitting up there like, yeah, there's that over there. You guys haven't found that one yet, right? So like he doesn't need our money. So what is, when he instructs us on money, what is, what is it about? Well, he's after your heart. He's, he's here to save your life, to pull you away from destruction and lead you to what really, really matters. And that's why Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So God doesn't need your money. And so poor, rich, guess what? He loves every one of you. And in his wisdom, God even appointed some people to be poor. And not only that, he's appointed some people to be rich. And then some people, he gave instructions to follow me. You need to give every, everything up to the rich young ruler. He said, give everything you had. But then there were rich people that were in his life. 
He poured out on Job. There was the woman who anointed his feet. She had a ton of money. She had a year's worth of wages in one perfume bottle. She was loaded, and she dumped it all over his feet and anointed him, and he just let her do it. There's all these accounts. Solomon was one of the richest people that ever lived. He was the Elon Musk of his time, or whoever's at the top right now. Solomon and Job, and they were followers of God. And we find that God is engaging people in different ways. Why? Because he's leading them where they are and what's best for them because of who they are. He cares about our hearts. And if you have lots of money, what we've learned is you don't have money. Money has you many times. We think we have money, but really money owns us. And so God is teaching us, whether we're rich or poor, to put him first. And it changes how we engage. So we're learning to give, to serve, and to love. I want you to listen to this last part again from 1 Timothy 6. It says, command them to be good, to do good, excuse me, to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And so because money is tied to your heart, when you give consistently, and it's just not about money as well, but it's about our lives, and, and how we, that's why we talk about serving and loving. But the actions of your life will begin to follow. When you begin to give part of what you have, your life, your actions will follow what you do. They work together. It leads you to good deeds. And it leads you actually in trusting God and putting him first. And it leads us to take hold of life that's really life. What actually lasts forever. The things that will lead you towards the good. It will lead you away from destruction. And I love that phrase that we take hold of the life. And so we go back to Jesus' word. We, we talked about this in week one where he says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And so for many of us, we're, we're learning and we're trying to figure out, is that really true? Can I really trust God with my life? And one of the first steps that we do that is with our money because we're so tied to that. But Jesus was showing us this and all throughout scriptures that he's leading you and I towards what really matters, what will last Everything in our world is, is, is pushing us and competing to say, hey, this is what's going to last. But he's like, no, I'm leading to what will, will go for eternity, that your life will matter. That's what it means to take hold of the life that is truly life. And so understanding this area of our lives is, is how we learn to put God first, but also eternity. And here's what's amazing. And whether you believe in God or not, it's amazing how this prioritizes your life. When we are focused in this way, it, it changes and it leads our lives to purpose in our daily actions, in our weekly and yearly lives. How you live your life, then, is a place for God to use you for impact in his kingdom. Because you are eternally minded, you are secure in where you are going. You know what God, because you've taken a hold of that. You said, this is my purpose. I know that no matter what happens here, God is leading me. And you begin to allow him to lead your life. And so in your daily life, it all begins to change. 
You're suddenly allowing God to use you for impact. Suddenly, we've set a budget. We've been purposeful in our money, and we have leftover margin. We didn't spend it all on ourselves. We gave it away to organizations like New City Kids who are impacting this city. We're able to give to organizations that are impacting the world. We're able to love others. He's growing you in your faith and your character. It's not easy to let go of some things, but he cares about who you are. He doesn't want you to be enslaved to your money. He doesn't want you to be enslaved to others and pressures. You're learning to let go of that, and he's growing you in your faith and character. He's using you to impact others in your lives. We're learning to love others, to do something thoughtful for someone in my city. You can't just call your mom. That doesn't count. If she lives in Georgia City, that, that should happen every week. So it's a new thing, right? So, but can you imagine if everybody in our country did this once a month, served one hour, did something loving for someone? That might help things out a bit, don't you think? <laughs> we want to set that example. He's using you to impact others, and he's using you to bring life to a world that really needs it. And I want to say to you today, there is no better way to live. There's no better way to live. This is the most impactful way. This brings joy. It brings purpose to your life. No matter where you may be in your life stage, in all things you have purpose. You're stuck in your job, or you're not sure what next step you're supposed to be taking, or you're going through a hardship, or there's been a death in the family. You know that in all things, you've, that you are, you know, God is using you. There's no better way. This, I want you to listen. This is where why we see all these incredible statements come out of Scripture, filled with hope and purpose. And many of these statements came out of in, extreme hardship in hard circumstances, in Romans 8, 28, the Apostle Paul, by the way, is writing this from prison. He says, and we know, listen to the confidence. It says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I love that there's so much action and purpose in this, and confidence that in all things, Paul wrote the letter of Romans because he couldn't get there. It's all he wanted to do. So he's like, I'm just, he's like, I just got to say, I got to share all this stuff I've been holding up. He's confident with his incredible hope. He's writing to the church of, in, in Ephesus in Ephesians 3.20. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I mean, we could go, we could go in this more and like we could just pull out all kinds of statements like this. And this is the life that God wants you and I to engage and live. To engage in this way. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to be amazing. Yeah, bad things will happen. Jesus said that. He goes, I mean, if you follow him, he says, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. But he says, take heart because I've overcome the world. It's amazing. 
And we know that he's taking the bad, the tough breaks, the death, the sorrow, the joys, and the financial blessings, and all of it. He's taken every single thing. And as Christ followers, then we say, when we give of our money, our time, our talents, and our treasures, when we give, we say, there's more than to life than there is that we see right now. There's more than this. Whatever pressure's coming from the, whatever trend is happening, and, and some of them are fun and great, and, and we're not saying that we don't engage life. Yeah, we have life, and we, we, we saw Jesus engage life, but, but they don't pressure us. We say, there's more than this. When we give, we say, we were made for more. And we acknowledge that our money is a gift from God. And if you're with us last week, we, we found out that just about everybody in here is rich. Most of us in this city are in the top 1% of the world. If you make $34,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. It's crazy. And so we say our money is a gift from God. It's his, and it's our joy to give it back. It's incredible. So to live this way means that we need to live with intentionality. We need to live intentionally. You need to think about it. You need to think of it. And one of the reasons why I'm leading you in this way, why I'm putting a card in your program is I want to lead you to live life this way. And here's what I know about you. And we live in a very financial type of area. We're so close to Wall Street. And, and so many of you are in, in financial industries and we have tech stuff happening. And then there's like a whole mashup with all this. And so you would think, well, then, okay, then we should be really good about our money. But Here's the thing, money's tied to our hearts and our emotions. And what I've learned over the years, whether you're just out of college, which some of you are, um, or you've, you're a financial advisor, some of you might be, that, that, that in both of those situations, you can be just as bad with your money. I used to know someone who taught people about money, and he was, made terrible financial decisions. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Because our heart and our emotions are tied to this. You and I need to think about it. To live purposefully, to have eternity in mind, is learning to give it up. But it means being purposeful. You need to think about what you are doing. You need to decide every month how you will engage God and the world in which you are living in. This is how we live well. Crisis or no crisis, COVID or no COVID, inflation or no inflation, container ships stuck in the ocean and you can't get your hairbrush or no hair, you know, whatever's going on or your deodorant, I don't know, like it's all going up in flames, right? Like God is always engaging us. He's always wanting to use you. And our response to him. And it's an incredible privilege. That's why we see in scriptures, they have these encouragements. And it says, it says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. You need to think about it. And there's a lot of things that we can take hold of that are not going to really lead us to life. You need to be purposeful. So what does this look like? What, what are we supposed to do? What, what are our instructions? Let me quickly talk about this. I want, I want you to first look at the history of how God engages us. But first, let's listen to Jesus' words. And I'll come back to this here in just a second. But Jesus said this to us. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. 
What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, for the pagans, those who don't know God, run after these things. That's all they are consumed with. He says, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. All along, God's been leading us towards peace. We're wanting to, to, to have progress and progress, and progress is good, but not at the expense of our peace. And so God started out with us. We, we look in what we call the Old Testament scriptures. God made a covenant with the, the, the people of Israel. He began to engage with them, and they had a commitment with one another, and he was beginning to teach them that they could trust him. And so we look at this old, what we call the Old Covenant, and he had three things that he led them with. This is part of the law that he gave them. And, and so we had the Sabbath, that God commanded a day off. It was all this picture of not going to the limits of everything. And so one was with their time. And this was with a world without refrigeration. Like they had to keep working to get food. And so it was a little bit risky. And there was always more to do. You think you have more to do, but live in that world. Like it wasn't crazy. And so they just, they had to stop and they just didn't do it. And they were learning to trust him. But God himself did this. In Genesis 2, it says, On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. So what did he do? He says, On the seventh day, God finished his work. And he said he rested from all his work that he had done. Well, was God exhausted? No, because God is God. He's infinite. He was establishing this for us as a pattern. This is part of actually what we're made to live like. Rest is how you and I live. So he commanded a day off. And then he commanded a tithe. This was, they would set aside 10%. That's what a tithe meant in the Old Testament. God commanded a financial margin. He was teaching them to not consume it all financially. God commanded a tithe. And so they would store it. And so this is found in Leviticus, Leviticus 27, 30. It says, A tithe of everything from the Lord, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, and it is holy to the Lord. He established the Sabbath is holy, the tithe is holy. And then he gave them what's called the law of gleaning. And this was in their work, where they would leave the margins, they would leave work for others. Or things left over. Leviticus 19, he says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field. So for us, it means we don't consume it all. We don't get every single thing that we can. He says, or you gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time and pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. And then he says this. He says, I am the Lord your God. So he was giving this kind of command, and he, that was a statement saying, trust me. In Deuteronomy, it says the same thing. He says, leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, widow, so that the Lord God may bless them. This is what it says. No, so that the Lord God may bless you and all the work of your hands. And there's this principle he gave that if we don't do all that we can do, he's given this promise that he's going to multiply the work that we did do. So this is incredible principles, and this was the covenant between God and Israel at the time. And so we can live like that, and we would reap the benefit of these principles now. But we are now in the new covenant. Jesus came to fulfill all of the law that was given. And so after Christ, we are no longer under this law. So what do we now see in our lives? 
And so what we see is loving God and loving others. He has freed us up to decide. But then Jesus set the bar so incredibly high, he gave us his all. But I want you to come back to Jesus' words, where he says, do not worry, do not be afraid, essentially, saying, what shall we eat or drink or what shall we wear? For those who don't know God, the pagans, they run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's the standard. Jesus, they said, what's the greatest commandment? To love God and to love others. That's how we live. We seek first his kingdom. Whether you have a little bit of money or you have a lot, we put him first. And this is how we take hold of eternity. We take hold of what's really life. Jesus was saying, trust me. Your willingness to create space in your money, in your time, with your heart, it's an exercise of faith. It's an exercise of faith. Giving is an exercise of faith. And Jesus told us that. The more money you have, the harder it is. And so we're learning to do this. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. With Christ, you've been freed up. He has freed you, and I love this. He wants you to experience the joy of giving. So he says, Do you give what you've decided in your heart. But just so you know, you sow little, you're going to reap little. You sow generously, you'll reap generously. He says, and God, he continues, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll be rich more than you could ever imagine. That's what he says, no. He says, you will abound in every good work. There is fruit from this. So what does it mean? What is it for you and I? Well, your part in all of this is you decide. Your part is you decide. This is between you and God. Part of how we follow him. If you are a Christ follower, you decide. And what do you do? Well, you love God. What's, here's the order, right? We give, we save, and we live. So we love God and we love others. So we can go to the next slide here. Your part is to decide. And then the next one now is we love God and we love others. And so we give to God first and then to others. And then you save and you live. This is kind of what I believe is an incredible pattern for your life. You give to God and others and then you save and live on the rest. This is a pattern in which we honor God. And so me and my family, we, we teach our kids to do this. We give our kids an allowance so they can learn these principles. And we teach them to, we, they give, gives the first thing we do. And then they save, and then they get to live on the rest. They get to spend it. And they, they get to decide on what they spend their money on. And there's such freedom in that. 
And so this is what we want to begin to make the habit of. And I want to encourage you to give a percentage. And when we put God first, we decide first what we're going to do. We don't give him the leftovers. You want to pick a percentage of what you earn, saying God is first. He is the priority. And then you want to decide what you invest, how you save, living wisely for the future, and then you can live on the rest. And this is where it begins to be an exercise of faith for you. Some of you are like, well, I'm in debt and I have all these different things. But here's the thing. Some of you will never get out of debt until you begin to do this. Studies back this up. Secular studies, church studies, all these different things. There's been tons and tons of research on this. And it shows that it doesn't make sense. A financial planner say, this doesn't make sense. And you're right. But unless you understand how it's tied to your heart, those who give to God or to other people first in their lives, pay off debt faster than those who don't by high percentages because money doesn't own them. Money doesn't own them anymore. It's amazing. So this week, we're going to make these commitments for all three things. This is between you and God, and we want to encourage you to log your commitment online because we want to celebrate this. Now, we're not saying you, like, say, I gave away this much money, your income, whatever. That's not what we're trying to do. And I really want you to log your income, your, uh, your serving, and your loving. But we have a web page here. That's why I want you to scan this. But we want to celebrate how we've served together this month. When we're done with our service today, you guys can join a Sunday team, or you can sign up for the sharing place that's on our online. On the, uh, uh, yeah, so you go into our events page. We have the sharing place serving. There are places for you to engage in dinner groups. You guys can decide to serve together uh, in some kind of way. We want to celebrate how we're loving this city this week. We want to make this commitment. And then our part of this is good stewardship, and I'm out of time. So we just want you to know that we have a part in this to be good stewards of your money. I want you to know that we set a budget, and we have trustees, we have an accountant, and so when we give more, it doesn't mean that I get to get paid more. It means that we have ministry lined up to be done. Every year, we leave ministry on the table. And so we are passionate about creating good, accountable systems. Every deposit, every expenditure that we have, we, we, we account for every single bit of it. We want to earn your trust. We want you to have trust in knowing that God is going to use this. We're going to love this city the best that we can. And if you don't give, I want you to know that I'll continue to come prepared. We'll continue to create incredible kids' spaces that they cannot wait to attend we're going to continue to love our city and our community, to love you, to make this a welcoming event on Sunday. We're going to serve you regardless of what you give or don't give. We're going to lead by example. Our leaders live this way. My wife Erin and I, we are committed we, to give a minimum of 10% of every bit of the income that we earn. And we, we pray and we long and we are able to go above and beyond that. I encourage you to, to give to your church, to God, to local. We'd like to give to New City Kids and internationally. My family and I, we, we sponsor a child through Compassion International. A boy named Ralph in Haiti. We write letters back and forth. It's incredible. We give to organizations like International Justice Mission, which seeks justice for those who are in slavery and impoverished. And to change legal systems, it's incredible. 
There's such joy in living life this way. Why do we do this? Why? Because we believe that the church is the hope of the world. It carries the message that revolutionizes lives. We're learning to take hold of the life that is truly life. This week, begin to learn how to live this way. Take a step. Take a step. You can't, you, you can't sometimes jump all the way in the deep end, but take a step and learn to trust God. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are and how you lovingly lead our lives. I pray that we would learn to trust you as you lead our hearts, that you don't see money, you see us. And I pray that we would experience the joy of living life this way. We thank you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.